Welcome to the FaithBridge Sermon Podcast. Be sure to keep watching immediately after the sermon for Postscript, a weekly podcast with in-depth content and answers to your questions submitted during the sermon. You can also find it on iTunes or at faithbridge.org slash postscript. So you've got maintenance plans, plans from your mechanic, plans from your dentist, even your personal trainer. But what's the maintenance plan for your soul? Yeah, your soul. The part of you created to last forever, defining everything about you. Your relationships, your words, your actions. And the only way to strengthen and nourish your soul is to connect with your creator, learning from him, talking with him, committing to him fully. When your soul gets a little TLC, everything else in your life gets healthier. But it takes time, and it takes a plan. That's what Resolve for More is all about. It's good to take care of your body. It's essential to take care of your soul. Well, good morning. Welcome. We're glad that you're here, and we do want to continue working on our souls So as you're coming in, as you're getting your seats, let me just say welcome here on the Klein campus. Welcome at the Woodlands campus today. Welcome online, however it is that you're here. We're really glad that you're here. So I've been very pleased with your receptivity responses to the series that we've uh, been doing here. Uh, For some of you, it's been uh, sort of like Going back to the basics, so like thank you for sort of just taking us back to some <clears throat> of the basics. For others of you, you're like, I've never heard anything like that in my life, and this is just transforming, blowing my fuses. It's awesome. So thank you for that. So great. So um, I want to do one more uh, session in this Resolve for More series today, and I want to take up uh, this subject of generosity. Now, I know what goes through your head right now when I say generosity. You're like, wait a second. I thought this was like a, like a spiritual service, I mean, a series. It was like on, on my soul and like reading the Bible and kind of getting into that for the first time or getting into prayer for the first time. And now you're talking about money? That's just like so not spiritual. Why are you even bringing that up in this same series? And some of you, you're thinking, wait a second, I thought you just said two weeks ago that where it looked like things were going down, down, bad at Thanksgiving, and it was, and then, but December was like, whoa, and there was this overwhelming generosity. It was our most generous month ever in an 18-year history. God did immeasurably more than we could have ever asked or imagined. And so why are you already back for more? And and I know that's what's going on in some of your heads. And the reason I want to talk about this subject of generosity in this series that's about the soul is because it occurs to me, and I think you'll agree with this, isn't the best time to take up a subject like this, money, which is very personal to us, and it's like it matters, it's my money, right? Isn't the best time to take up a series like this when I can essentially remove all conflict of interest? We're in a great shape right now. The church is great. So you can sit back and relax. I'm not making a big pitch. We're not passing out little cards and could you like tell us what you, nothing like that's gonna happen today. That's why I think the time is perfect 
for us to talk about what a spiritual subject this whole money thing is. It's not my idea. Jesus is the one who said this. Before we look at some of the things that he said, let's just go back and remember what we've been talking about. We've been talking about that tree. You remember that great 240 foot sequoia tree that we started off the series with several weeks ago? And uh, there it stood for years and tourists would come and they would admire this tree and it was amazing. And then one day, boom, that tree falls down. And all the experts go around and my gosh, what happened? How did that tree happen? Fall down, nobody saw that coming. And they finally concluded the reason that the tree fell down was because all the foot traffic of the tourists all those years coming around that tree had trampled on the roots and the roots that were supposed to be fortifying the tree with nutrients and with water, they were getting squashed and killed. And as the roots died, the inside of the tree died. And finally, one day, everybody saw as majestic as it looked on the outside, it was dead on the inside. And we've been talking about in this series, right? How, how we can look a lot like that tree. We can look really good on the outside, can't we? Like we got it looking good and, and, and everybody thinks it's, it's good, but deep down inside our soul, there's a deadness beneath the, if, if we could just like get inside and look inside, we'd say, whoa, you aren't looking as good on the inside as you're looking on the outside, something's off in our soul. Nothing's gonna reveal this more than how we handle our stuff, our money, okay? This is why it's such a spiritual subject. See, many of our soul, um, all of our souls that were created to, to love God and to want more of God and to love other people and to want to help and serve other people. I mean, that's what our souls were made to do. But many of our souls aren't doing that. Instead, we're craving not God, not loving other people. We're craving stuff. How can I get one of these? I wanna buy one of those. I gotta have that. I'll never be happy unless I'm, and we get so focused on that. Many of our souls, which were meant to, to, to find security in God, we're not finding our security in God. We're running frenetically, feverishly, from sale to sale, trying to get one of these and one of those and the next one of those as if our eternity depend upon it. And so what are we trying to, we're trying to get all we can, can all we get, and sit on top of the can. That's, that's kind of the, the truth, no matter of how, how, how many of us work, right? But then, in our quietest of moments, we hear this, this faint cry coming up from within our soul saying, but you were made for more than this. Sure, you got the new this, sure, you got the new that, it's shiny, it looks, but you were made for more than this. But we don't know what that more means. And so we resolve not for the more like we're talking about this series. We're like, okay, I guess I better get out and get some more. I gotta go buy, I need one more of these. Then I'll finally be happy. And I need to go make some more money. And I need to stockpile some more money. And, sit, you know, and, and, and we keep doing the same sort of thing. And this is why so many souls are sick. It's these, what I'm describing here is just symptomatic of the sick, sick soul. This is why we get back up year after year, many of us, and we spend more money than we're even bringing in. That's called debt. 
and we just keep charging it and, and, and getting our lives upside. This is why <clears throat> many of us are, we're, we're paying a lot more to creditors and credit card companies and all than we ever dreamt we would have to owe other people, right? These are soul problems. This is why I was reading in a bank rate survey just the other day that they said that only, um, or, or, or all of six out of 10 Americans said if they were hit with a $500 unexpected fee uh, or expense that, that just came out, something they had to fix or a crisis, or $500, that would knock their whole world off. The, the whole apple cart tips over and, and they'd have to charge it because they wouldn't have the money. They wouldn't have it in reserve. Um, or they'd have to go ask you know, a family member or friend or somebody could borrow it. Or they'd have to go without something that they really did need more of. Um, this is a problem, and it's symptomatic of the sick soul. I, and so I'm just saying to all of us, me included, that this whole money thing uh, is, is it's, it's so much of it. In the same way that I would say to the person who struggles with drinking too much alcohol, there's something going on underneath all this. The alcohol, that, that is a problem, and we need to work on that and get you sober and all that. But it, that's symptomatic. Something's sick inside your soul. We've got to get into the root. We've got to get to the heart of the matter. Or if you have an addiction to this or that, let's get to the root of this. It's a soul problem. So we've got to get down there and, and start working on why are things in such disarray? inside our souls. Why is it that so many Americans can say, oh, I love Jesus, and I embrace the beliefs of Christianity. Remember how we've talked about Christianity is a religion of audacious beliefs. The, the fact that, that we actually say, yes, we believe there is one true God, and he became a man one day, and his name was Jesus, and he walked on this earth and he lived the perfect life that none of us could live. And then he died on the cross, a death of punishment that we all deserved. So that then he could rise on the third day and conquer the grave and say to all of us, if you'll follow after me, if you'll link yourself to me, then you too will have the assurance of life. And, and even when we say that, we're like, check, check, check. Yep, I believe those things. How is it that we can say that's what I believe. I believe it yesterday, I believe it today, and I'll believe it 500 years from now when I'm with him. How can we say, this is my belief, when we're running frenetically, like our hair's on fire from this sail to that, like my life depended upon it. And anybody who looking at us would say, I don't really think this is what you're trusting in. I think your everything is attached to this. You can't get over whether you can get this thing fast enough or what's going to happen if you don't get one of those. There's a problem. It's a symptom of the sick soul. All right, so <clears throat> this is why we felt like we've got to talk about generosity in this series that we're doing on the soul, right? Because really, it's a spiritual thing, this whole money thing. In fact, Jesus is going to say, rather matter-of-factly, you'll never follow me wholeheartedly if you keep trying to compartmentalize 
this money aspect away from me. You, you, you can say you want to be all in, but your life is giving you away. And everybody can see, no, this is really what you're trusting in for your happiness and, and your salvation. So let's look at uh, a couple of verses, just two simple message as all these messages have been in this series. Um, and I'll just read it to you. You don't even need to turn there. It's so short, but it's, uh, if you want, you can. It's Matthew 6, 21, okay? This is Jesus speaking, and he's gonna say in Matthew 6, 21, and he's gonna give us this huge principle. And understand, he's not saying this is wrong. This is an indictment. It shouldn't be this way. No, he's just saying, no, this is just a, this is how it works. This is just a truth. Here it is, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, which means wherever we're putting our money, it's like a leash is tied to whatever our money went to and our heart. And wherever the money goes, follow the money trail, our heart is going to follow the money. But you know this is true, right? If you ever set your sights on getting a new one of these or a new, I need a new phone. And, and you, all you can think about is the phone. And, and when can I get the phone? And I love the phone. And it's the best phone. Or the car. And you put a lot of money into that car. And now you want to shine it up. And you're always out there shining it up. And if a little speckle gets on it, you're like, we better just start over. And, and we're shining the whole thing up, right? Or we get a new house. And we put a lot of money into the house. And we think a lot about the house. And what do we need to do now to the house to make it even better, better and more wonderful, right? So you know this is true. If you buy a, a stock or a mutual fund, you, you might not have known a thing about it a month prior, but you put your money into it and now you own some of that stock or some of that mutual fund and every day you're looking at those three letters. Did it go up or did it go down? Why do you care about those three letters now? You didn't care about those three letters a month ago because your money went there and your heart went with it. And what Jesus is saying essentially is, okay, let's just, let's just this is just a principle, okay? It's not a value statement, it's not a judgment, it's not an indictment, it's just, it's just the way it works. If you wanna jumpstart your soul, if you wanna kickstart your soul, if you wanna see some new things happen in your, in your soul, then you just need to put some of your money into kingdom work. Now, Notice I said kingdom, I didn't even say faith bridge, okay? Just to make sure there's no conflict of interest here. Because I, I don't want you to go, oh, see, you really are. No, 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 I'm really not, okay? You, so you, if you need to, you just go find a different organization. You sink your money into that. If it's a Christ-loving, Jesus-oriented Bible, you know, and it's helping people and pushing back the darkness. Run the experiment, though, and here's what you're going to discover. You put your money into that, and now your heart is going to be more interested in spiritual things. I've just seen it borne out over and over and over throughout the years here. People who, who kind of had a dead soul, and they, they always are saying, you know, I want to be more alive spiritually. I, I want to be more excited uh, about spiritual things, and I'm going to get around to, to going on one of those mission trips. I really do want to do that, and, and, but I'm just so busy, and I'm so consumed with it. But then one day, they write a check. And they put some of their money into that. And you know what the weirdest thing happens? 
a week or two later, they're saying, you know, I, I think I'd like to set aside some time to, to maybe go on one of those trips. Really? What, what changed? Well, what changed is I put some of my most important stuff into it. Now I care more. And then they go on one of these mission trips and they're coming back. They're like, oh my gosh, something's happening inside my soul. I'm thinking about God now. And I'm thinking about poor people. And I'm thinking about how could I help more? And not so much about how could I just get one of these and one of these. And it's like something's changing. Jesus said, yeah, that's the way it works. There's a leash between our heart and our stuff. It's just the way it works. I want to look at one other verse. Matthew 6, 24. Just jump over about three verses from uh, where we were. He's going to say another interesting thing. He's going to say, no servant can serve two masters. Now, that makes sense, right? You can't can't have two bosses. That just never works because if you have two bosses, do I listen more to him or more to him? More to her or more to her? I don't know. I'm confused. I can't have two bosses, right? He says, that's, that's right. That's just a principle. It's just a truth. You, and, and then he's going to say this interesting thing. After he says, no one can, can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one or you'll love the other, or you'll love the other and you won't serve uh, the former, right? Then look at what he says. He says, similarly, you cannot serve both God and blank. Now, if you didn't know what the blank was, and you already know what the blank is because it's right there. If you never heard the verse before, you already know. But suppose you didn't know. If you're like, Jesus, what goes in the blank? You can't serve God and blank at the same time. I would think it's whatever is the farthest thing from God. It's like whatever the opposite of God. You, you can't serve God and the devil, right? Ding, ding, ding. Thanks for playing. No, that's not it. That's what would make sense. But he, he said, no. What I want you to understand, it's, it's really not somebody who's going to keep you away from serving me. It's something that's gonna siphon off all your energy and your heart's gonna go with that? The answer is money. You can't serve both God and money at the same, it's just not possible. And so Jesus is just stating these things for us to come, uh, you know, into an understanding of saying, if you want your soul to spring to life, it's gonna have to involve this aspect of your life. One more story, and then I wanna get real practical, or one more illustration. Suppose, uh, well, not suppose, I can think of any number of times over the years that I've heard people who had moderate interest in God and spiritual things and Jesus and Bible and church and everything. When their marriage goes bad, what do they do? They're like, I need, I need God in my marriage. We need help. And, and they start praying. They never were interested much in praying about it, but now they are. They're like, oh God, help us in our marriage. It's something's going wrong. And people even get d- drastic and they say, I surrender it. I just, I, just, I just lay my marriage before you, God. You, it's just gonna take a miracle and we surrender it. Or 
I surrender my kids to you. Lord, I just, my kids, they're, they're becoming teenagers, you know, and I, I surrender, you know, and, and I just, I surrender my kids to you, Lord, right? Or my health, I surrender my health. But what do we do? As long as we have some of the stuff, we're like, but my money? No, I don't want to surrender that. I'll just, I'll just keep staying in charge of that. I got that part cut, you know. But follow, here's what happens though. Now, suppose you wake up one day and you've lost everything and you have nothing. And even if you're an atheist and you didn't believe in God, trust me, I've sat with grown men crying when they lose everything. All of a sudden they're like, can you hook me up? I mean, I just need, I need, I need God now. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I need God in my life now. Really, how is it that you need him now? Because I lost everything. So, essentially what you're saying is, now that you have everything gone and you can surrender nothing more than maybe a lot of debt and a lot of heartache, now you're ready to surrender. Yes, I surrender. Okay, well, let's just surrender that. But doesn't it seem a little odd that it would take getting to nothing before many people would say, I'm surrendering that part of my life. Why don't we just rewind and go back and say, you know what, while my marriage is actually good, while my kids are actually okay, while my health is good, and while my finances are fine, how about right now, I'll go ahead and surrender everything to the Lord. Because you know what happens when we surrender everything? That's where the magic starts. That's where then God begins to step in. He's like, man, you know, I could have done some things to, to bring you out, and I've been in the business of rescuing people for centuries. So I'm good for that. But think how much more and how much less painful if when we're moderately healthy, we come and we say, Lord, I want you to get involved with my life now. I want you to stir my soul now. Not when it's all gone kaput, not when it's all just rock bottom. Go ahead now and just get yourself involved in every aspect of my life. And what you'll discover, friends, it's just, it's, it's, it's marvelous how this works. Is that he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll bring all of my power now and all of my um, you know, the same stuff that it took to, to feed the 5,000. Jesus could take two fish and five loaves and boom, look at this. He's like, I'm so glad you invited me to the party. Finally. Now I can bring my stuff into your stuff and I can bring my power into your weakness and I can multiply what's going on in your life. And so he's just saying, very matter-of-factly, hey, you, you'll, you'll not grow spiritually uh, if you keep compartmentalizing this, this aspect of your life out. It'll never work. Why? Because your heart is going to go wherever your stuff is. You can say until the cows come calling, uh, you know, I'm all in for Jesus. But Jesus says, I'm just going to look at your budget. I'm just going to look at your where your money goes. I think that really tells everything about where we're all in. 
and where our heart really is. So we have to say, okay, if this is as big a part of my life, maybe bigger, than just taking up a, the Christian practice of Bible reading, of daily prayer, these, these practices, these disciplines, these rhythms that we've been talking about that, that bring together our behavior and our belief. What's the practical tool like we've been doing the past couple of weeks on this whole finance thing, this whole money, this whole generosity thing? I'll show it to you. Today I don't sit in a rocking chair because I have to kind of stand up to do this one. All right, so... Um, I'll just share with you a lesson I've shared over the years, although it's been about five years since I shared this here. So a lot of you have come in since I shared this. But it's the lesson that my, uh, that my father taught me when I was a kid, and now we're teaching it to our kids, and this will be just a kind of a good way for many of us to have a fresh start. Because remember, that's what we're doing in this, in this series. Let's just put the past behind us, the fact we haven't been praying, the fact we haven't been reading the Bible, the fact we haven't been generous. Or any, you know, we're just saying, hey, no guilt, no shame. That, that's just, let's, let's, but we're just kind of resolving for more in 2017. We're just taking on some new spiritual practices, some new rhythms, some new disciplines to try to bring our, our beliefs and our, our being together. Okay, so here's how it goes. I remember when... I was a child, my dad said. Now, here's the way it works. Son, you're gonna make some money. Maybe you'll make a dollar for doing your chores or whatever. Maybe you'll work, make $10, you know. He says, you've gotta start now building in some practices that trust me, someday you'll be glad that you had. Okay, dad, what are the practices? He said, well, one of the main practices is you're not going to do what everybody else seems to do. They spend everything they get. And many of them spend more than they get. And that's called debt. He says, what we're going to do is we're going to start... by saying the first tenth, 10%, you're going to give to God. It comes from an Old Testament concept. And many people have rightly said, well, now that we're New Testament people, we shouldn't hold ourselves back to just an Old Testament concept because Jesus gave everything. Sure, but let's just start there, okay? I remember Dad saying, so you make $10, how much are you going to give back to God? At least a dollar. We'll start there. And then... I remember him saying, the second tenth, I want you to set it aside. Set it aside for what? He said, trust me, someday it'll all make sense. You need to have some savings. Um, and in the postscript recording, we'll go into more of uh, this whole savings uh, thing. I don't have time to go into it right now. And then he said, the other eight of the $10, those... You can spend it. You'll spend it on food. You'll spend it on someday housing expenses, clothing. What am I up to? Is that six? 
seven, eight. And so I remember dad saying, so if you'll practice this principle from the start, son, uh, what you'll see is that you've really invested over the years a lot to God's kingdom. You'll get to be a part of miracles that are happening in other people's lives. Your soul will be healthy because you're starting with a spirit of generosity. You're giving it away. And there'll be uh, some stability in your life for when uh, an emergency comes up or certainly long-term just for retirement, which is many years from you, because this will grow um, as well. He said, but the problem that you're gonna discover is that many people <clears throat> that you're friends with, they don't practice these principles. That's called debt. And <laughs> he said, and this is, <laughs> this is going to be their problem. It's, and they, they want to have something for the future, but they never were willing to pay the price of just getting on a plan to, to, to get it there. They want to think of themselves as generous. They just never got around to being generous. He said, but you're going to be different, son, because you're going to start by giving back to God. And you're going to start by saving. You're going you're gonna to have health. And if you'll just do this the whole way through, you'll never regret it. And he was right. Now, I'm sharing this with you uh, today um, just to give kind of another homespun sort of lesson that I learned along the way, a tool for the toolbox, if you will, that you can use. You can use it with your children. Like I said, Suzanne and I, we've been uh, starting to teach this to our boys just so that they kind of have an understanding of, of how to handle their finances as they earn allowance and, and, and these sorts of things. You can do this with your kids. Um, in fact, there's not a better time to start than when they're young, just bringing them up on healthy principles. Now, any number of you, you're like, I really wish I had done that like five or 10 or 15 or 20 or more years ago. You're getting to me a little bit late. What you got for me? Well, I'm gonna uh, recommend to you the, the, the class that Adam, or that, uh, well, Adam and Wayne on the other campus and uh, I think is it Luann in, in, in the first room. Um, that we're, that we're talking about, this class that we're calling Money Wise. And I want to encourage you to get signed up for Money Wise. It's going to start on February 12th. You say, okay, what is it? Basically, it's just some time where you'll be uh, in smaller groups with a leader, and you'll go for, I think it's five weeks, six weeks, something like that. Uh, very doable. And you'll start to work out a plan to get on a plan to bring some correction to whatever lack of plan uh, that you have. 
And, and so I just really want to encourage you. Um, that's a very tangible, practical step that you could take. You say, how can I sign up? You can go to the app. You can go to the website. Um, I think there's something in the bulletin today uh, as well to give you information. That starts in February, the week after the Super Bowl. So when some of the other spiritual uh, growth classes are starting on Bible reading, on prayer and such. So let's get you in that. That's a good uh, tangible, practical step that you can take. I guess in closing, what I want you to understand is that in this series, what I've wanted to, to try to communicate and what I've wanted to see, and what I do want to see, is that we might be a church with thousands of people who aren't just looking great on the outside, because many of you look great on the outside, but who are looking great on the inside, who have souls that have come alive that are saying, I want more of God. I, I, I actually look forward to reading from his word every day now. And since I, you gave me that little SOAP tool, I'm, I'm finding that helpful. And I, I actually look forward to talking with him more. And prayer always seems so, so far-fetched and, and theoretical, to, to, but now actually I'm, I'm praying. And I'm having a devotional time every day, some special time that I'm having with the Lord. And after today, I'm becoming generous as well. And I'm discovering what Jesus was always saying all along. That will bring your heart alive like nothing else. Because our heart follows our treasure. So... Like I said, there's no card for you to fill out, form to fill out, or anything like that today. Um, but I would give you just the, the challenge. Um, we'll call it the, the, uh, the read, pray, give challenge. We'll call it the um, resolve for more challenge. Oh, and it just occurred to me, I forgot one other thing. I wanted to tuck this in before we land the plane. I'm convinced that when it comes to this, this whole giving thing, because everybody wants to think of themselves as generous, I'm convinced, I guess the same could be said really of, of saving as well. I'm, I'm convinced that the reason that many people don't get on a plan is because they're scared. They're afraid if I tried this, that would just mess everything up. When Jesus all along is saying, no, 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 see, you're headed towards everything being messed up. Why don't you get me involved for once and see if I don't bring some of my fish and loaf multiplying power into this financial aspect of your life? I think it's fear in a word that holds so many of us back. So I'll give you a, a secondary uh, challenge today. It's one that we've given over the years. It's called the, the Malachi 3.10 challenge. Let me explain what it is. There's a verse in Malachi that says, bring the whole tithe, that's 10%, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse of the Lord and see if I don't just throw open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing upon blessing after you have taken that step 
of faithfulness. Now, looking at that verse, I think it's interesting that he starts it off by saying, test me in this. Test me in it. Because God never says in the Bible, otherwise, test me in this. In fact, in the other places in the Bible, he says, don't you test me. Don't you put me to the test. But here he says, test me in this. Just try it and see if I don't just start doing amazing things. If you'll take this step of being generous and building that into your plan. So here's the challenge. For the next 90 days, I wanna challenge you to say, I'm, I'm gonna tithe. That just seems like really wild and weird and crazy and extreme and oh my gosh. But I'm just, I'm just gonna see, he says, test me. So I'm just gonna see what happens. You do that if you're a commission worker, you tithe when you have a sale. If you're a regular paycheck uh, worker, you just tithe on, on your paycheck every week or every month or however that works. And, and then here's the whole safety net aspect. Since I'm convinced many people uh, never step into generosity, into tithing, because they're afraid. Oh my gosh, everything will just go to pot if I do that. Here's the safety net. You do this for 90 days, and if at the end of 90 days, your life has tipped upside down and everything's coming unglued and you know, you're, <clears throat> you just call up to the church, ask for the business administrator, his name's Sully, and just say, Sully, I took that 90 day challenge on January the what is it, 22nd and it's been 90 days and my life is a wreck. Our family is a wreck. Everything really, it's just like the worst case scenarios have all converged. And Sully will say, we will send you back a check for every penny you gave in those 90 days. Okay, now that does mean you have to mark your gift. Okay, you have to like put it in an envelope when you're giving it so that we have a paper trail of what you would. Otherwise we could get some strange phone calls and you know. Um, <laughs> And, um, but even this, this is so funny. The other night I was sitting on my sofa just thinking about this message and, and uh, my doctor friend who uh, is active over in Champion Forest teaches a Sunday school class. He, he says, hey, I'm teaching about money in our class uh, this Sunday. And I'm just wondering, has anybody ever called back after you did that Malachi 310 thing? I said, I'll text him back. How funny that you, I'm sitting here thinking about that right now. And, and I think I'm going to talk about that again at the end of the sermon. And the answer to the question is yes. Over about 15 years or so since we first did this, I think there's been three, maybe four, all ladies who called back, all of whom had a very similar thing that happened. A husband left typically with children uh, in her care, and things were coming unglued. And they said, this, uh, everything has gone bad in my life since we stepped out to do this. And in all of those instances, we're like, we will give you back everything that you gave. And we're gonna give you more because we have a benevolence fund and the Bible says that we should take care of 
uh, you know, widows and single, yeah, and we, we're gonna do that, we're coming around you. But in all the years, just three or four ladies. On the other hand, I got a file drawer full of emails and notes and cards and people that have sent in over the years who've said, it's the weirdest thing. We took that, that Malachi 310 challenge that you gave and <clears throat> it's, it's like there's a correlation. Like we did that and then we haven't fought nearly as much in our marriage, you know, or we did that and then like, Two weeks later, I got this promotion at work out of the blue, and it involved a raise, and the raise offset everything that we had given, and it was, it was almost like there was a causal relation, and I'm like, imagine that. Jesus said all along, if you'll get me involved, I'll do immeasurably more than you might ever ask or imagine. So that's my other challenge. The first challenge is the Resolve for more, just to keep these rhythms going now that we've established these three weeks. To read the Bible daily and pray and give. And the Malachi 3 challenge, you take that. Tell us, it will help us to sort of track with you if you'll write on your Connect card or something. I'm going to take the Malachi 310 challenge today. And that way they can be extra attentive uh, to you and there won't be any confusion if you had a crisis or, or something at 90 days. And let's just see what God does inside our souls. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for um, your word and for the desire that you have for us to be uh, living souls, not just living bodies, hollow on the inside, but souls that are thriving and um, alive and sparkling and uh, where we're seeing you work and not just talking about, yes, someday I'd like to get some more spiritual things going in my life, but I just, I, I just am so busy right now. I just got so many other things, none of which are going to matter 500 years from now when this is really the one thing that will matter 500 years from now because it's only our soul that will be alive 500 years from now. So, Lord, won't you help us as we move further now into this uh, new year, help us to have the grace that we need and the, um, the patience with ourselves to step forward faithfully, just continuing to build in these rhythms into our life, these practices, these tools in the toolbox that will bring together our beliefs and our life, our being, our behavior, so that there won't be such a disjointed aspect to the things we believe way over here and who we really are way over there. Help us, God. We want to bring that into one harmonious person. I pray, God, that you'll bring our souls alive, full of you, Jesus. And I ask all of these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Postscript. Here we hope to answer your questions and help you dig deeper into the messages and sermons at FaithBridge by talking with the teacher of the day. Welcome to Postscript. I'm Luann Riley, Grow Group and Discipleship Director here at FaithBridge, and I'm here with Pastor Ken, who just brought part three of the Resolve for More series. Welcome, Pastor Ken. Thank you. Okay, so over the last 
few weeks, we've talked about resolving for more in our relationship with God. Right. And we talked about reading our Bible, engaging Him that way, mm -hmm. praying. And today we talked about another spiritual part of our relationship with that's God, important. and that's generosity, generosity yeah. and giving. And so we did have some questions come in, okay. so I'm just going to jump right to them. Um, the first question, you did talk about the passage uh, from Matthew 6, 21, mm -hmm. where he talks about your treasure, yeah. and that's where your heart is. Yeah, it does treasure. say treasure, mm -hmm. and, and we replaced it with money. Mm -hmm. uh, is, does it always mean money? Is that always equal money? Is that well, the yeah, right. interpretation of that? I think in our time and context, the answer is yes. But let's go back to Jesus' time and context. Suppose we were living then and trafficking in a culture uh, of the, where the currency was chickens, you know, or goats or whatever. That's what treasure would be mm. in that culture. I heard um, about uh, a missionary, a while back I was reading a story and he said it was so interesting. He went to a foreign country, I don't remember where, and he said, in that culture, the greatest treasure was having gold teeth hmm. because the uh, indigenous people, that, that was just the sign you've made it if you had gold teeth. and. That's really weird. I wouldn't really treasure having gold teeth, but that's what they did. So uh, I think the questioner is quite right. It, it could certainly mean different things, but I think, I don't know who the questioner is, but I would imagine if he lives or she lives in uh, suburban Northwest Houston, uh, it's probably gonna have something to do with money. I haven't met anybody who didn't. Okay, good. <laughs> Out here. Good. Um, and so you talked about the biblical principle of tithing, yeah. of the save and the give and the spending. Sure. Um, when we're talking about tithing, mm -hmm. just starting at the 10%, um, should we tithe on our gross or our net? Is uh, this pre-tax or post-tax? Sure, good question. And very predictable question for this conversation. Um, well, of course, again, let's go to the times in which Jesus was speaking and teaching. I don't think they had, uh, you know, gross and net, uh, structures like we did. We'd need to go back and do a little bit of research, but I think that's more of, uh, the economic realities of this day and age than it was then. Uh, so the... The uh, simplest answer would be, I think, uh, well, gross, uh, because they didn't have, you know, FICA being ta taken out and all, <laughs> all the stuff that, um, but I would hasten to add, um, this whole exercise of experimenting with our stuff, our money, our treasure, and exploring the connection it has to our heart. And will my heart really follow into the things of God and if I invest into the things of God? And the answer is yes, it, it will. Um, I think you could probably safely run the experiment on the gross or the net. Mm -hmm. I've heard any number of uh, clever preachers say over the years, 
uh, well, what do you want to be blessed on? Do you want to be blessed on uh, the gross or the net? And so, haha. So, uh, I would just mostly encourage people uh, don't get hung up on this sort of minutiae. Just get into the experiment and see if you don't discover what Jesus said is just true. Our hearts always follow the treasure. Good. Yeah. And so you you talked about um, talking through what it was like in Jesus' day in that context and applying that context here. Um, another question that we came, that came in was around the context of Malachi 310. Okay. Um, that it was specific time and people. And uh, how do we rightly apply this verse to believers today? Right. Is it literal and direct or is it something else? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, the questioner is quite right. You always want to understand the context and make sure that we're applying a passage rightly, lest we go off and, I mean, I guess someone could very crazily think, well, cut and paste a few verses together, Judas hanged himself, go and do likewise. Well, no, that's, that's not good Bible study uh, there. Um, so is this an appropriate application? Since we are not Old Testament uh, people d dealing with the... Uh, the, the situation that Malachi was addressing in, in uh, his writings to the people that he was writing, for the people he was writing. This being the case, I say yes, it is. Uh, because what was the context uh, that he was trying to, to, well, that God was speaking through him to say to these people? your hearts have gotten hard toward me and you're, you're, you're holding back from me and I want you uh, to, to test me in this. See if I wouldn't pour out the blessings of heaven if you would do what I've always asked my people to do. Didn't, I, didn't we establish you're going to be my people, Jewish people, and I'm going to be your God. And we're going to have this special connection and, and our lives are going to get all interwoven uh, together. So why are you pulling back? Why are you living this way? Well, I think that much can at least be said to be entirely applicational to us mm -hmm. as well. If, uh, if anything needed to be added, and I think it does, as New Testament people, Jesus only made more clear to us how interwoven uh, God was saying, I want our lives to be so interwoven. I'm going to come and die on a cross for you. I'm going to give everything. And then parenthetically, uh, Jesus would say to his disciples in different points, even more outlandish things than just try tithing. I mean, he, the poor widow gave everything. He's like, now, did you see what she did? I'm telling you, that is the real deal there. And that's not going to be forgotten. Um, well, so is the application 
than for New Testament people necessarily, well, I, I, got, I got to get a hundred percent away. No, I don't think that that would quite be it either, because you do have to support your families, if your families and children, and feed them, clothe them, get them to school, all that kind of stuff. But I think a very good, safe, sound uh, starting point, sort of a benchmark for for starting, is to say. I'll use the standard that God was calling the people of the Old Testament back to, the tithe. I'll start there. And as God surprises me, I'll go even further. Um, I'm thinking of one person who is always quick to say, why would you hold yourself back? Um, well, he's very far along in his faith and I think is up to living off of maybe 50% of what he earns and then gives the other 50% away. Well, that's marvelous. The war lines aren't capable of, of doing it yet, uh, not anywhere near, but uh, we are beyond a tithe. I think, you know, I, th I was doing our budgeting here just the other day, and I think we're up to about 13%, somewhere 13.5% we're giving away um, in the way that we do it. Because uh, sometimes I'll just add a question that's not asked, but it will be asked. Sometimes people ask in this subject, does it mean that you give all of it to the church or what about other organizations? Here again, I encourage people, to, let's not be legalistic and get hung up on this. Let's just get into the rhythm and into the experiment of being generous and see what happens. Uh, now, that said, the way that the war lines, Suzanne and I do, is we give the tithe to the church. Um, the, the first tenth, we do that. Then with the other three or three and a half percent, uh, we've got a couple of compassion kids or world vision kids uh, that we support for the food and the clothing, you know, in the countries and get the letters from them and, and support some of uh, her friends from back in the days when she was on crew, Campus Crusade for Christ, and I think four or five people we support with them, and a f few other missionaries and some things like that. That's that's how we do it. Um, but anyhow, I I, uh, I think it's very safe to say that it is not uh, misuse of an Old Testament passage to say, let's just throw ourselves into this circle and get involved with what God was calling the people in the Old Testament. And like I said in the message, I got a file drawer full of cards and notes and emails that have come in over the years of people who've said, oh my gosh, when we started doing this, weird things, weird things good started happening. It's like, and that weird correlation or causal relation. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so in the message you mentioned um, that you didn't have time to get into everything about this subject, um, but you did want to talk about savings. Sure. So tell us. Yeah, tell us Beca about that. because the financial planners hearing me today, uh, I'm sure we're thinking. 10% of savings that, you know, or Dave Ramsey mm -hmm. uh, has always made uh, popular his seven baby steps. And one of those baby steps is get an emergency fund because if you don't have an emergency fund, then you'll eat away your savings very quickly with every, uh, you know, transmission problem you have or t a new set of tires and there's $800 and bam, you know, now my savings plan's depleted again. 
if we were to use the, the word picture that I was using, I think a, a very good way to present it to kids, but we kept it simple today just with three buckets, but would be to add a fourth bucket and to go uh, 10, 10, 10, 70. Hmm. 10, tithing. 10, saving, long-term, retirement fund sorts of thing. 10, rainy day fund, emergencies. That one's gonna go up and down depending on the season that you're in, depending on what's happening to the car or the kids, you know. Um, but you build it back, it'll go down and you'll build it. 10 there and then live off the 70, which is a lot easier said than done for uh, younger people and for children people uh, who are just starting out mm -hmm. to start them on maybe a, a rhythm uh, like that. Uh, we kept it simple today, 10, 10, 80, because we find that any number of people who really haven't had any plan, this represents plenty of homework and we can, they'll get in more, you know, through a, a money wise class or if they do a f financial piece somewhere, Dave Ramsey or whatever. That, They'll get into more dealing with the parsing out of the savings. Okay. Uh, one qu uh, last question that came in. Um, it came from someone who says that uh, their husband is not a believer mm -hmm. and so would not be on board with the challenge. Is there a way if your spouse um, wouldn't participate or want to do it, is there a way to be part of it mm -hmm. and still honor right. your spouse? Sure. Well, let's quickly say this. I never encourage uh, one spouse to be uh, secretive um, in the name of the Lord. Uh, I, if they choose to do that, then so be it. And, and, but, but I don't ever want any person, especially, I don't know why I'm thinking of it this way, but especially the wife, to feel like I, I really am going to do this and pastors tell me I must do this uh, because I think of the verses in 1 Peter 3, uh, 1 through 7, where you remember the context, Peter was writing to these ladies who were becoming Christians and they were evaluating their souls springing to life and getting excited and they're looking at their non-Christian husbands who haven't converted. And they were asking uh, a message, uh, a question that Peter's addressing in the letter, among other things. And they're essentially saying, can I drop this guy and go start over? Go meet a new single guy who's a Christian? You know, and, and, and Peter is basically saying in those verses, no, stay in the marriage. Who knows but what if you'll just be a person of inward and outward uh, beauty and uh, a humble soul and committed to your relationship that he might not see Jesus in you and you might be the very uh, instrument that will be useful in helping him come to trust in Christ. And so I would never encourage anybody to make this uh, something that potentially drives their marriage further apart. This said, I, do uh, know of several spouses. Again, I'm thinking of the females here because uh, it more times than not tends to be the males who are trying to put the ixnay on, uh, on this. 
but who have transparently shared with their husbands, um, you know, since this percentage of the budget is mine to oversee, uh, you know, however you know, every couple works out, you know, who's in charge of this and who's in charge of, but since this is my portion, I would like to test, um, you know, take, take the test here to put the Lord to the test, as he says. I want to experiment with tithing, uh, not saying you put more money, husband, into the pot here, uh, my pot, uh, but I'll still be doing, you know, the responsibilities and the, the, the division of labor, the way we've drawn it out, but I want to give. And in several instances, we've had people who've done that, and the husband's like, okay, fine. As long as this still happens and this, you know, okay, okay. So that is a way that I think uh, we could say in good conscience, why don't you run the experiment uh, that way? Um, and then your soul can feel um, fulfilled in both directions. You're honoring the Lord and you're honoring your husband, uh, both. Good. And I'm thinking one other thing that uh, sometimes is asked, and it has to do with just the blessings. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, well, because sometimes people say when you, it's like, what sort of blessings will the Lord pour out from heaven upon me? And uh, are they going to be material blessings? I would hasten to add, they very well might be, but I would never presume to tell you, here's what God will do. Now, there's some preachers on TV who have watched do that, and they say, you give a dollar here, and God's going to give you $10 here. I would never presume to do that. I've had any number of heartwarming stories of people who have stepped into generosity, stepped into tithing, who will say, I never got a promotion, I didn't get a raise, you know, whatever. But our marriage is so much more functional. We hardly fight anymore about finances. It's just like everything changed. Well, that's a blessing. Yeah, and the people telling me this would say, well, that's like heaven's worth of blessings, you know, to, to just to get our marriage to, to this point. So you never know how the Lord will do the blessing, but I've just seen it in any number of ways come, and it's always fun to watch that correlation or causal relationship that's happening. That's good. And I know this can be a hard area to manage, making the budget and staying to it and all those things. And so you mentioned the Money Wise class. Yep, good. I'm really excited about yep, that coming class. up on both campuses yep. where we'll, we will talk about budgeting and how to use tools and how to plan to give and what are your options for saving. So it's right. a great place to start if you myself, don't know where to start. I was plugging it and forgot. How many weeks is it? It's four weeks. Oh, I was mm -hmm. overestimating him in mm -hmm. there. I said yeah, five or it's six. four weeks. Four it weeks. goes uh, from after Super Bowl to before spring break on um, both campuses. So I um, hope people will join us for that. Good. Thank you for being here today. And thank you for joining us here for Postscript. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for joining us for Postscript. Help us keep the podcast interactive by submitting your questions during the morning services. Learn more at faithbridge.org slash postscript.